Guys, welcome to the podcast. Before we get started, as ever, remember that all the information you're about to hear is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any illnesses or diseases. Please make sure to consult your healthcare practitioner before implementing any of the things we may discuss in this podcast. Speaking of education, if you're an exercise professional, coach or anyone working within the realms of health and fitness, when you're done listening here, make sure to head on over and check out our education portal at www themusclementors.co.uk if you like us and truly care about the well-being of your clients about getting access to the best and most up-to-date information in the areas of exercise mechanics hypertrophy sleep improving your online coaching services and much much more then be sure to join up you'll gain access to endless hours of content focused around everything you need to become a truly elite coach and get your clients in the best physical shape possible this is all in the form of video lectures weekly live education sessions and study groups you also get early access to our podcast and access to any exclusive Q&A segments we do with our guests. The content never stops on the portal. It's not a one-off course. It's an ever-evolving learning platform designed to give you the best information possible in this area. Head on over to our website and become part of our epic community, full to the brim of other professionals who, like yourself, are focused on providing the best health and physique-related results for their clients. Join us and them and gain the resources, support and accountability you need to become the elite of the health and fitness industry. For now, though, grab yourself a pen and paper and enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Muscle Mentors podcast, people. We are, what, three weeks since the last episode? Two, three weeks, something like that. I apologize on behalf of everyone here. Um, I've just berated them because I show up every time no one else comes with. Um, weirdly as well like it, it, it's not ironic at all luke has never been late to a meeting in the recent <laughs> no it's not something he'd do he, he wouldn't do that he wouldn't be 20 minutes late for our no. weekly night meeting on fall on thursday because yeah. because he just overslept that wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't leave the whole team worrying to the point where we called his mum to check he was oh. okay now, he wouldn't do that he wouldn't do that <laughs> yeah. happen, people um and uh yeah shame shame accompanied <laughs> was it it's been a stressful week um i decided this would be the one instance i do not set an alarm because i'm pretty confident i wake up at my normal time and somehow i slept through the meeting which was His not- confidence was wildly misplaced because yeah. it wasn't even close i know it was, <laughs> i was like two hours off the mark and uh, what happened there um but no great start great start so no they're forgiven for not showing up to podcasts um i I, I didn't show up to the team meeting that i run um (laughs) (laughs) anyway anyway, q a podcast q a podcast um we're going to kick it off with a a pretty important question um actually firstly how's everyone doing i mean we haven't even gone there and for the for those listening we have paul Hello. We have Al. And we have Al. Alex doesn't say anything at that moment because he forgets <laughs> this primarily audio uh, meeting. <laughs> I don't understand podcasts. I'm going to get all the northern shit out of the way. The reference we don't Alex have just podcasts nodded. Here. Yeah, he smiled and nodded <laughs> at the audio. <laughs> right, I'm off. Right, game over. I'm, I'm jumping out my window in my office. <laughs> I know. So it's a, it's a Luke Paul, Al and Ryan show today. Um, I think that's a new name for the podcast. Too easy. Nice. Uh, anyway, kicking off with a question: um, Shag, marry, kill. James Cow Ross. 
question. To be fair, the actual question that was asked, and I apologise, Lizzie, was was uh, was in relation to you guys. But I feel like the four of us could have a good conversation about the other. Yeah, that makes more sense. Sorry, Lizzie. Uh, well, I mean, my gut feeling on this is Jimbo is a nicer husband, but yeah. Cal, but Cal has got more cash. So Ooh, what yeah. kind of married life do you want <laughs> is one of the questions. You want a swimming pool? Cal, right? Where, but Jimbo's going to treat you better. That's... Um... <laughs> Sorry, no. uh... Ross, are we straight in? Ross. No, no, the problem, the problem we got with Ross is Ross has got a sword. So if you try and kill Ross, he's going he's gonna to start to fight back. Well, that, and Cal's got, Cal's got guns. Yeah, yeah. That could yeah. Air rifle you in the face. So that could make yeah. an attempt to kill Ross quite fun because you have to get a sword mm. yourself and you actually have like a Lord of the Rings style fight to the death. Um, mm. So yeah, that was just a shootout with Cal. Be, yeah. <laughs> like Cal's, I mean, that being said, I think it'd be fairly easy to outlast Cal and anything that involves endurance. So. <laughs> he was knackered just from having his finger on a trigger for a minute bait Cal into killing him by just being like Cal we're just going to go for a walk and take him up a big hill um, he'd probably keel over before he got to the top yeah so who do you who do you see Ross strikes me as just the dirtiest shag of the three of them like Ross will probably spit on your asshole and just no questions asked. <laughs> <laughs> now, Wait, is, is that your is that your reason for marrying him, Paul? No, this is the shag component. If you're gonna be married, <laughs> we go in unadulterated. And I feel like Ross the filthy hobbit is your best bet. I feel like, I feel like in that instance he would be a goblin, um, not a hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> Ross the sex goblin burn is his uh his new name. Please feel free to comment that on any of his posts in the news. Yeah. <laughs> Just call him the sex goblin. Don't explain why. Just next Goblin and Moria. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a great character in the Lord of the Rings books, there. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I reckon Ross would definitely be that. So it comes down to like, do, who do you who do you uh, marry or kill out of Jimbo and, and Calvin? This is the horrible one. Killing's obviously the worst. I know. I mean, who made up those? You know, so... Hang on, to be fair, who, who's least likely to listen to this out of Callum James? Probably Cal. Yeah, probably Cal. Here's the counter to that, though. More people yeah. are likely to tell Cal that we said... Oh, yeah. Yeah, someone's yeah. going someone's gonna to screen record this and then share it to him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that'd be fine. I'm not like again because if he came after me, I'd just run a little bit faster. Really. <laughs> <laughs> marry kill is really aggressive because two of the options are quite nice. They're just uh, an escalation. The yeah, other one yeah. is a hard left turn. Nowhere. <laughs> the other near. extreme. Yeah. yeah. It'd be like shag marry date for a little bit. Yeah, it's not like kiss shag yeah. marry. No, no. It's like <laughs> I don't know what it's like. It's like McDonald's reasonable steak. Death by the rack. Like they're not in the same. There's two of those, Matt. And then the third one is just not right. I love how you compared marrying to a reasonable steak. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell I've never been married? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go in with, I'm going to go marry Jimbo because it'd be good fun. Um, I'd probably, I'd probably. Yeah, it'd be a, a filthy, um, a filthy act with Ross, the Goblin of Moria, the Sex Goblin of Moria, and then, um, <laughs> and then, uh, 
Cal's, Cal's going to get yeah. it, unfortunately. Yeah, I think I'm the same as you. Yeah, it's the best option. Think, yeah, yeah, Cal, we might, you know, we might ride high on that that extravagant coaching cash for a year, but in the grand scheme of time, Jimbo's the safer bet. It's yeah, fine. plus I feel with Jimbo, you would just as his as his bitch, you would just force him to work more. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Too easy. It's a great question. Great question. What have you boys gone with now? Like Al, Ryan, what are you going with? See, I, I'm going to have to agree. Yeah, yeah, at the risk of just all saying the same thing. You got yeah, Jimbo. Jimbo. You've got then, more chance then, of him going out to wine and dine you a little bit. Mm. I reckon he can. Mm. He can cook a good meal. I can't see cow over a stove. That's a good point. To be oh, yeah. That's a very good point, actually. That's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. So cow's just been unanimously axed. No, no, hang on. I, I, I've got a slight different idea. I'm probably going to yeah. agree with you. I can imagine being a housewife to cow would be quite good, though. Because oh, yeah. you're just basically a, you're basically a dog walker that cooks. <laughs> no, if I married Cal, he listens to this. Jesus, he listens to this. He's bringing money in. He's bringing money in. I'll walk the dogs. I'll feed him, and he's fine. You absolutely that's my life. <laughs> Adam, that's, that's, I, I will marry Cal if I do that. If I can get that, if I, can I can't have wait to hear how your next check-in goes with him. <laughs> I'm, I'm more just like I just wait. What do you mean I'm dieting? Yeah, I don't want to <laughs> diet again. <Yeah. laughs> but, uh, so yeah. why does my cardio just say dog walking and cooking? Yeah, <laughs> yeah he won't. He won't. Why have, you, why have you swapped my test for progesterone? <laughs> <laughs> the name of this episode now is just going to be called Hannah. Don't listen to this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, this, <laughs> the six muscle mentors. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway. anyway, so on to an actual, uh, an actual topic change, and probably probably quite a useful one. Um, this is my question. I thought I was going to go in was Paul. Paul, you did a quite a nice post today on Dan John's four quadrants and, and talk about it. I thought it was quite interesting because I think I think some people will not be so aware of what that concept is and how it can actually be potentially very useful as a coach or a client. Yeah, seen this yet. Well, then Ryan. Meanwhile, I talk. We'll probably be scrolling Instagram at this very moment. You just listen, Ryan. <laughs> no, you can go scroll. Uh, yeah. So Dan. So Dan John, uh, American strength coach, and a really just interesting uh, and thoughtful guy with most of what he comes with. And I'm pretty sure I came across this in his book, Never Let Go. I think is is the one that it's in. Which, for the record, Never Let Go is written. The title is the fourth rule of Hawks from the sword and the stone. And anyone who is nerdy enough to name their book after something that obscure gets a big tick in my book. But the, the, the book is great. So the four quadrants idea, and he applies the idea of quadrants to a few different ideas. But the one I did a post on was on diet and training combinations. So we can mix and match the concept of tough and reasonable with diet and training. So if we were to quickly define What's a tough diet? It's probably going to be something with a Spartan name attached to it. It's going to be Atkins and low carb and suffering. And you can probably only have cabbage and air. It's, it's going to be hard, but you will or should drop a crap load of weight right quick if you're doing a tough diet. A reasonable diet, on the other hand, is the Mediterranean diet. It's something your nan might feed you. It's going to have protein and plants and water and chocolate in moderation and a bit of wine, but not too much. It's the least sexy thing on earth, but it's pretty good for you. Yeah. 
Mediterranean diets are pretty nice, to be fair. Yeah, one hundred percent. But you know, it's missing Krispy Kremes, as far as I'm concerned. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so reasonable diets, tough diets, and we can then take the same ideas and put them into training. So tough training would be again training like you're aiming at the movie Three Hundred or preseason for a rugby athlete or a footballer or whatever. It's going to be short, sharp, and painful. You're going to need to imagine you're a Marine. It's going to help to have Eye of the Tiger playing in the background. And you can probably sustain it for about six weeks before you kind of die and the wheels fall off and you need to back off the pedal a bit. Reasonable training, again, very unsexy. It's a few sets of eight to 10 or something around there taken somewhere near failure, but maybe not balls out, rest, pause, drop set to death over everything. It's for most folks three to four times a week in the gym. It's an okay step count. It's nothing mental. It's reasonable. And we can then take these ideas. If we've got tough diet, tough training, reasonable diet, reasonable training, what happens when we mix and match them? And this is where we get the idea of quadrants. So quadrant one is tough diet, tough training. Have I missed it? But it's like we want to imagine for the quadrants, you've split a circle into four sections, like four quarters, no? Yeah, literally that kind of thing. Or yeah, any... Ryan is trying to show an image to the camera. (laughs) (laughs) Basically showing a white screen to the the camera. (laughs) So quadrant one, tough diet, tough training. It's kind of stupid for almost everyone, this quadrant. This is literally only going to apply to someone who's going through something like special forces selection or boot camp or luke has drawn a quadrant there you oh. go. lovely oh. this remarkable which i'm pretty That's sure is it's a circle actually now I've, I've drawn it out yeah i didn't do mine in a circle <laughs> uh it's where was i just saying with that one before i disappeared off down that rabbit hole uh it's stupid oh yeah imagine you had a few weeks and you have to go to some kind of school reunion and your ex has married your best friend. And weirdly, again, you've only given yourself three weeks to prepare. Cool. Under those conditions, when the stakes are really high, you might be able to sustain stupidly low calories on a stupidly aggressive training plan. But outside of that, you ain't sticking to it. This is the realm of people jumping on and off things, falling off because no one can sustain this unless the stakes are stupidly high. So for the most part, we kind of ignore quadrant one. Quadrant two, this is where stuff starts to get a bit more interesting. Reasonable diet, tough training. This is the domain of pre-season or when we might go really hard for a phase in the gym for some reason. Okay, If we're going to go aggressive with our training loads and our training demands, the stress we place on our body, we need to fuel that appropriately. There needs to be enough calories. There needs to be enough protein and micronutrients in there for us to recover. We can, again, for most people, sustain this for maybe up to six weeks before we need something like a deload to ease off the pedal, et cetera. So pre-season is how I tend to conceptualize quadrant two. Most of our clients are going to probably come under these next two quadrants in reality. Quadrant three is tough diet, reasonable training. This is the domain of fat loss. Fat loss, as we all know, listening to this is primarily driven by the diet. It isn't driven by what we do with the training side of things. Training is going to be supportive of what we're doing, but it isn't the time to push balls to the wall in the gym. You haven't got the recovery capacity for it. And if you try alongside an aggressive diet, you're just asking to get back to quadrant one and fall off the wagon because it sucks and you'll hate it. So aggressive diets are going to be what takes care of the fat loss. We can expect people to sustain this phase 
four to 12 weeks, something in that region. You know, if we're extending a bit above that, we could look at competitors. Competitors are one of the exceptions to this, where they might be able to extend this type of thing a bit longer. Um, but for most kind of clients, month to six weeks. And look, by the way, this is where you find all the challenge lengths. They're all six weeks, eight weeks, maybe tops of 10, 12 weeks long. And there's a reason for that. There's only so long you can put your foot to the floor before you're like, nah, fuck this. I'm, I'm tagging out and I got nothing left. And so then we finally get to quadrant four, reasonable diet, reasonable training. This is life. It is where 95% of your life happens. It is deeply unsexy, but you live here almost all of the time. The key to success in quadrant floor is being a slave to good habits. It's, you know, getting protein and plants with most meals. It's smiling and sleeping well. It's having a bit of a sense of purpose in your life. It's enjoying hanging out with the guys or the girls. It's all that kind of shit. And no one wants to sell that because you don't measure success in quadrant four in six weeks. You measure it across a year or a decade. And so when you're setting these goals and ideas for yourself, are you playing around? You can play around with the concept of quadrants to go, what do I expect of the goals and the behaviors associated with the phase I find myself in? If I know I'm going into a fat loss phase, for a lot of folks, it's okay, let's get our head down and get some fat loss. And cool. How long could I sustain that for? Well, probably going to go for somewhere between six to 12 weeks for most people. Sweet. We do that. And then we move back to reasonable. And then what's our expectation of the reasonable? Well, again, we're not going to see it very quickly. So it might be that in six months time for some people, is their weight the same, but they've improved all their lifts in the gym? Have they been sleeping well? And actually, this stuff is starting to just feel easier for them to do. Quadrant four, when it's done well, feels a bit too easy. And that's kind of one of the reasons I suspect we don't like it because we like feeling like a hero, like some kind of warrior. We want to imagine we're Leonidas leading the 300 and just standing at the hot gates of Thermopylae being like, fuck you, you Persians. If anyone is Persian heritage, I apologize. That's <laughs> <not> awful. Right? <laughs> we imagine this, this kind of heroic last stand of suffering towards something. And that's just not what quadrant four is. But the reality of, of all the guys and girls on this that you that you know who have succeeded over years have really mastered their reasonable and then they know when to step on the pedal of tough. That's, so that's, that's the concept of quadrants. So it's essentially like what you get to that point where you can flick between essentially mm -hmm. that's the goal. Yeah. According to whatever goals in place. But I think the thing I like about it, it and it's, it seems like a really nice way to get clients to potentially buy in or at least understand the process more. So as yeah. opposed oh you know this you know we know what we're trying to achieve here and here's how we're setting up these two areas and as opposed to like oh why are we trying to do this tough diet tough training thing when actually you just kind of want to chill out a bit yeah even i imagine you could i mean do you use that when it's like you know clients potentially going on holiday you're like sweet like we're reverting into this reasonable mode like, yeah even for a little bit yeah, it's, you know, if, if you have to resort to quadrant one, tough plus tough, you didn't plan very well. <laughs> You've left it too late. Some shit or something has come up weirdly last minute, which very rarely happens. You say that, um, I think that happens a lot. Because, really? yeah, because people, it's a very common behavior where finally choose to get in touch with a oh, fat, you know, fat loss coach or something like three weeks before a holiday. Oh, I'm yeah. going to play in four weeks. Uh, can you get me in shape and then if the coach is a bell end they're like yeah 
And here's, here's, a, here's a board and cucumber and stevia and you're all good to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And of course, people are drawn to it because for the most part, when people want to change, it's because they're in some kind of uncomfortable position where they don't like what they see in the mirror. And they would like that to change as quickly as is humanly possible, because we're all a bit that way. You know, if you're like, would you like to earn a million pounds in one day or across three months? Well, ideally, I'd have it today. That'd be great. Thanks very much. <laughs> but obviously, these things don't quite work that way. But we know that because we're coaches and we work in this industry. Clients don't always know that. And so you, they will be drawn to wanting to, as Luke says, get in touch with three to four weeks. And you can do what you can if you want to work with them. But the reality is not much is going to massively happen because there isn't that much time and there's no getting around the, the necessary consequences of physiology. I really like that. I think like one of the, on the other end of the extreme, one of the toughest things being a coach is reframing someone's thought process around progress and what that actually is. And as you say, oftentimes that quadrant four, especially with a general population client that has been through the relative transformation that they came on board with and is now actually at that point where they're like, you know what, I'm happy. Like I look good. I feel good. And then you, you, you're, you're a bit lost. You're like, yeah. well, I'm, I'm not going anywhere now, so I must be failing. Whereas yeah. like, actually you maintaining this level of happiness, this level of body composition and, and behaviors and, and routines and identity that comes alongside that is huge, but it's, it's yeah. a tough shift for someone. Yeah. And I think one, because one of the realities is when you go into tough mode, it takes a higher priority in your life, right? You're choosing to prioritize fat loss for the most part, but it could also be athletic performance or whatever it is. You're putting the pedal down on this one area of your life, but you can only put your pedal down in one area of your life if you take it off of some other areas in your life. Hmm. But then, okay, cool. We get somewhere and we like what we see in the mirror a little bit more. We feel happy about our results. But one of the questions we should be giving in mind is, well, did you want to live your life there with the foot to the floor? If the answer was no, and you kind of wanted to be able to have a life with this newfound physique, within reason, if you're trying to maintain shredded stage weight, obviously that's not going to happen. But let's say some kind of athletically and happy position. Well, we want to get into this reasonable mode so that you can get more of the other parts of your life back. But then we've got to come to terms with this reality of like, yeah, we're not moving as quickly in any direction. That doesn't mean we're not moving in a direction, but it does mean we're moving much slower in at least the fitness direction because you've got more aspects of your life back because we've moved out of quadrant two or, or three in these issues and moved into mm. quadrant four. So yeah, we look at progress in, in gym or physique sense in a slower setting or at a slower pace, but hopefully that comes not just because we want to go slowly, but because we want you to have more of your life back whilst being able to do that that also i don't know you boys but it's impossible to live foot flat to the floor the whole time you burn out and you lose your enthusiasm mm. moving into mm. these reasonable phases allows you to sort of recharge and then often if you're there for long enough you start to be excited about the next aggressive phase that you go on which is a good sign rather than just jumping from aggressive to aggressive and feeling burnt out and desperate mm -hmm. which comes back to the stuff we talked about previously when we we're talking like values and and hobbies which there's a question on that, isn't there? But the, which we can get after this, but like when people, because you know, these, these quadrants that you drew out there, they were purely in relation to diet and exercise. And I'm assuming that you can do the quadrant technique for a bunch of different things. And, and it, people might go into this mobile, like all I'm focusing on, on with this quadrant thing is the, my physique side of things, how I look. 
And when they step back and they're like, okay, the focus isn't so much on how we look now. I've got this point. I might lose some of that, but I obviously want to want to keep you know a lot of what they've gained potentially. Um, but then, like you say, they don't necessarily replace or put the pedal back down on some of the other areas well enough. So they get into that mindset of, oh, well, I feel like I'm failing because there isn't actually any area of my life that I've got this other focus on. Um, yeah. And and they and that's I think that's where the coaching side comes in, right? I mean, there's a client I've been um, working with for not too long. And one of the main things we, we talked about really is her finding some stuff outside of just training because she doesn't do anything outside of training. And it was like, and I was, it's not to the point where I'm like, we're not doing anything until you do that, but it's just like, just making sure there's a focus there so that there's, when that point comes, you're like, oh, there's just other stuff that makes up who you are as a human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the, the amount of value that you can provide a client by being able to step back and have empathy for everything that's going on in their life, not just training and nutrition, because as much as that's our core foundation of, of, of why someone comes to us, having an appreciation for, the fact that they are not the only two values or, or things that they want to focus on. And they've got a lot of other plates they want to juggle and understanding how to teach them and guide them through that juggling act of, of keeping all of these things spinning and being aware of when one of those plates starts to wobble, let's start maybe shifting a little bit more of our focus over there. If that's something important for you at the moment to actually keep going. And that can be like your own training, your own nutrition, but also your relationships, your social life, your hobbies, your, downtime your business career um i think cow actually is a really good example of that he put a post up today of a physique update and he was like very much still in coach mode he he i think has been going through a period of time this year obviously being very busy with the, the athletes that he's been coaching and traveling all over that he his own training and, and, and nutrition maybe hasn't been so far on the gas that as, as he's used to um Still I think he's actually been head though, hasn't he? He's, he's still, yeah, that hasn't that hasn't <laughs> actually <been> at all. <laughs> but no, it's been quite nice for him to do that though, because ever since I've known Cal, he's had his foot on the gas with like his own physique mm. pressure. Yeah. So to see him kind of take priority over something else outside of that, and obviously coaching's been that for him, is uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. But just a nice nice example, I think. So we don't just talk about Shag Mary Kill and stupid shit. That's some, that's some value. They are my hobbies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shagging, marrying, and killing. <laughs> I was about to say this conversation is far too mature. We need to bring it back down. To yeah, yeah. Let's so hobbies. That leads to my hobby. That was on your question. What was the actual question? Yeah, so I had uh something alongside people have heard us speak about the importance of having hobbies for stress management, et cetera, especially mm. like for, for coaches who inherently just train and don't really do a lot outside of that. Um, and they ask, what are our hobbies? I mean, so, that's the most boring one. No, but isn't Paul's, what's yours like furious masturbation? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's uh, that way. It nice. feels like, it feels like the best combination of like a pump, a bit of a workout, get a bit of a sweat going. Yeah. Uh, and then we get that, that sweet, sweet release. I was going to lead into like, Alex has the dullest. Uh, <laughs> That's like a hard left turn. Oh, lovely. Anyway, what was Al's dull hobby then? Yeah, that's it. What is my dull hobby? 
Are you not wearing the top right now that suggests it? Oh, I tried to hide it out of the camera for people <laughs> who can see this. <laughs> oh, he, loves, he, loves, he loves just playing with balls, really. That's what yeah, yeah, to be fair. That's, that's the only reason he loves I do it. A, yeah. a good bit of yeah. willow in his hand. He's, uh, he's a very yeah, handy yeah. Man. Good, a, good, a good bit of wood just changes your day, to be honest. And, uh, like a firmer yeah. wood or a softer wood? Anything do it for you? I see. I see. This is why I play cricket and golf, because you can talk about wood and shafts. No, oh, mate, yeah. I can't give a straight face for any of it. Yeah, I like a, a stiff shaft and a good bit of wood. And, <laughs> and that, that's my hobbies in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I've got a really comfortable office chair at the same uh, time. Uh, <laughs> I actually quite like cricket, so I can't give him too much grief. Although never, oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah, here we go. I've never played it. Every, uh, everyone yeah. always says that. Everyone always says cricket and golf are those sports that you piss on when you're like 18. And then everyone starts playing it when they're like mid twenties. They're like, yeah, I quite yeah. like this now. Well, it's also like, as I've gotten older and like been invited out with clients a bunch of times to the cricket, mm. where you just get drunk oh. and watch, watch yeah, mate, it's great. and yeah, mate, you know. watch some guys swing the bat. <laughs> yeah. well, you can't see it. You're so far away, you can't see. Yeah. It's just an excuse to get absolutely bladdered. I was going to say, so, Al, when you miss all these meetings and stuff because you're playing cricket, it's actually mm. you're actually playing cricket. You're just getting shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, they go hand in hand. You can do, you can do both at the same time. Yeah, it makes it's it more fun. Yeah. So, what what is it about <laughs> cricket that you that you're drawn to? What do you value about playing cricket? Oh, so I've played it since I was like six, but now it's it's interesting actually. So I I played at a decent level from kind of six years old up until about twenty one, and I stopped completely when I moved to London. Uh, so when I moved there, because there's, there's no grass in London, so you can't. Yeah, there's none. You can't do anything in there. There's no point in trying. They don't just let you into Lords either. That's the only place where you. Could yeah, actually, I'm, I'm actually a member at Lords. <laughs> of course, a bit, a bit, a bit rare. I've got one of the ties. Um, but that was that's <laughs> interesting though, because when I didn't have that, because for me, cricket is a whole Saturday. Like it's a whole day gone. Like you, you meet at twelve o'clock. You drive into a place that's an hour and a half away, and then you can't do anything for the rest of the day. And because you're on the pitch doing something, you can't do any work, and you're completely distracted. But when I was in London, I didn't have that. I literally had no balance in my life at all. Mm. I still had other little things that I did to try to switch off. And because I lost that on a Saturday, I kind of got that day back to be fully work. Like it could be seven day weeks and it would just be kind of relentless. And it's only now that I've started again uh, two years ago, I've actually started to bring things back a little bit more to normality. Yeah. Because it's literally like, so I obviously work Monday to Friday, work on a Saturday morning or did when the season was going on. And then basically it's just an afternoon out with my mates. So I play at the club that I've played at since I was a kid. We're like all the same age. We all like play games, get our beers together afterwards and then go home. And then I'm properly like switched off for the Sunday. And then as soon as Monday comes around again, it's, it's time's better. So, I mean, there's a few things in there, isn't there? There's like, there's a community mm. aspect. There's getting a hangout with your yeah. mate. There's a, he has to concentrate yeah. on it. So he can't really get distracted. And that's what it's easier to do because he's out on a field. It'd be weird if he had his phone with him at the crease. People might kick off. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> exactly. The most casual six of all time. Just yeah. on to be fair, mate, I've actually played cricket with a dude who fielded on the phone before. <laughs> he, was, he was standing at first slip and he answered the phone and we were like, mate, what the fuck are you doing? Imagine if he <laughs> I think, but I think there's 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 probably something to take. You know, I I played, haven't played yet this season, but played rugby for much the same kind of reasons. It's hang out with some people, escape from some stuff. Like for the most part, yeah, playing the game is is fun, but it's it's a lot of just getting a hangout with kind of mates and having an escape mm. around something else. Okay, rugby 
a bit more physical than cricket. So you're like, oh, I'll get a calorie burn, I get a runner. Yeah, but if I got none of the benefits of a runner, I'd still want to do it because it's fun to do. It's not why you know you kind of go and, and do that particular thing. So I think when people are listening to this, like when you're looking for, or if you're looking for hobby, go go and try whatever announces itself to you as interesting. Yes. for a bit. Like Luke took a more solo approach to the sporting career. I was going to say, like, like that's one of the things in tennis that I enjoy, which is a complete opposite. Like there is like okay, depending on where how you take it, you know, when you're younger, I was playing in like squads and stuff with tennis, and you would have a bit of a community thing. But every time you would compete. And, and most of the time when you're playing, you're on there on your own and it's making learning to make decisions on your own and deal with pressure and deal with like shit, you know, shit consequences when you you miss a shot. But it, it like still now, that's one of the things I enjoy, the amount of carryover between the stuff I do in tennis and like conversation with my coach and what we do. Um, mm. and, like the decision, you know, the way things affect, you know, us, you on a tennis court and then the way you see clients get affected by stuff. It's like, you play, you know, 10 ridiculous points in a row and then there's one bad one. You're like, for fuck's sake, that's it. And you're like, hang on. Like, you know, there's that thing of, we see it all the time with clients where they just nailed something and then they get one bit of bad, you know, progress here and then one bad session or a bad way. And they're like, that's it, it's undone. I'm, everything's rubbish. And you're like, take a step back. It's a nice way to think about stuff. Um, yeah, but that's one of the things I like. And there's obviously the fitness component in mind. I enjoy that side of it. That's that's the value I get out of it. But the... um but the yeah that that's almost the opposite for me i'm like i enjoy it time to yourself where you're going to make decisions and deal with consequences and stuff it's quite nice miss your hook what you got funny enough i'm along the same lines as you paul of just i love a bit of playing my shaft and balls on the weekend um (laughs) working on working on my grip at the moment and my, my posture um just getting a good amount of momentum through and uh, yeah, just just the, the concept, ac- by the way, the, the accuracy concept. of the shot at the moment as well. It's a bit all over the place, though. So. The concept of <laughs> masturbation. Imagine trying to emphasize now when wanking, you need to, you really got to. Is, is it creepier to stand bolt upright? Because <laughs> I think it is. I think it's, it's more acceptable yeah. to be hunched over like a monkey than at least yeah. you're like embracing the shame. If you're stood yeah. there to attention while standing to attention, it's a very bold move. Uh, <laughs> tempo is a big thing as well, though. Tempo, like. Too oh, fast, yeah. too slow. It's uh, you hold a yeah, salute, ruins it. just got to grip it and rip it. <laughs> That's it, yeah. That's the way you actually but, golf. Uh, I don't know this about, yeah. It, it, golf, yeah. We we're talking about golf. If no one got the innuendo, but, um, <laughs> but I, it's, it's actually I something actually, I only I actually didn't <laughs> <laughs> genuinely thought I was talking about masturbation. Lovely, but, uh, it's not beyond us. Let's face facts. Yeah, when did you I, complete, I completed that a while ago? I just, just got a bit boring. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, you, it's, it's, it's something I picked did, up. I was going to say, when did you start? But that's the Janus side. Probably, I'm going to guess about 13, like the rest of us. Probably. Yeah, 13, 14. Uh, when, when did you start playing golf? Um, I'm kind of the same thing as Alex. So I started when I was fairly young, like 16, 17. Um, fairly casual initially, just going to the driving range, playing a few like casual games. Um, ended up getting quite into it, got a few kind of lessons and things. And then I think, I can't really remember why I stopped. I think I got massively into the gym around that age as well and I found the two 
just didn't mix at that time and I've just prioritized training. So I kind of lost that for a good few years. Um, actually started picking it up just before lockdown and then the bastard COVID came along and, and ruined that. So that was another kind of year and a half out and uh, yeah, just getting back into it now. So going to use the winter just to get down the, the range a lot and kind of get everything back in check and then hopefully have a full season next year of playing, which would be cool. How about any, does anyone have any non, even physical hobbies, that kind of thing? Well, that was one of the things, like my, my, my I have an extensive list, but coming near the top of mine are uh, like movies. And mm-hmm. Luke is a bit of an encyclopedia for quotes, by yeah. the way. If you're ever hanging out with him, he will just bring, and some fucking obscure ones as well. And then he'll act surprised that you don't know it. So you don't know that. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> You're like, no one yeah. knows that, Luke. I was like, Free Willy 7. The fucking... <laughs> uh, this time it's uh, personal, involving an orca. Whether it's movies or just like fictional stories that you can kind of get lost in. But I've always enjoyed that sort of thing. Like, um, and uh, yeah, I'll never forget the uh, one of the first times staying in an Airbnb with you, Luke, and uh, you were in the kind of the room next to me, obviously. And um, we won't stand in the same room. There's, there's no obvious about that. I was lying there trying to get to sleep and I kept hearing this voice speaking. It wasn't Luke's voice. I was like, what the fuck's going on here? And uh, I thought you were on the phone initially and then it just was a, a really weird conversation going on. And I asked you in the morning, I was like, who the hell were you speaking to last night? But um, I think you were listening to the Harry Potter audiobook to send you to sleep, mm-hmm. weren't you? I always do. Well, I say that. I say that. I'm currently yeah. listening to the Red Dragon, um, or Red Dragon, which is not quite the same as the, something just fall off the shelf. I feel like someone just did. Um, yeah, Red Dragon, which is like I don't know. People know this, the Hannibal Hannibal Lecter first book in that series. It's pretty grim. It's pretty grim, and a, quite a quite a a, uh, a step away from Harry Potter. But yeah, that has always been a thing, right? Um, done a lot of. Anyone seen the new the new Marvel yet? Shang-Chi no. which is yeah. a crime claim because Marvel is one of my favourite Marvel films are one of my favourite things so. we're going yeah. to try and watch the Bond film tomorrow I think yeah we're going to... mm. yeah. Um, but yeah movies that's mm-hmm. it is. I mean movies the thing I enjoy about movies is obviously the stories characters and stuff like that but the ability to just like switch mm. off and get involved in something that isn't real life slash work it's quite nice mm. Anyone else? I mean, I've I've got a, a bunch to be honest, but it just sounds like I sound like a wanker who's going look. Look how many hobbies I've got. <laughs> hey guys, guys, you should have these hobbies, right? Yeah. I like. I think music is a nice one for for a lot of folks. Um, <clears throat> I, I play bass. I play guitar very poorly, but I enjoy doing it every every now. And then. So you play bass poorly. No, I play guitar poorly. Oh, okay. I play bass to an okay level. I mean, as as with all things, it depends what your standard is. There are some phenomenal people, and I'm like, I can't. Yeah, yeah but again, like when you you said like uh, when we were talking about tennis before, and you were like, oh, you only good at tennis. I was like, oh, I'm all right, and you were like, you're better than most by yeah, quite a long way. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's the same thing. And uh, for me, actually, probably similar to what Luke was saying. There's uh, for music when you get okay at it, you can kind of lose yourself in that as well. Like it is a, it's a thing that you have to be present for if you're playing along with anyone, or even if you're just playing along with the song, but the song is happening right now. You can't delay what you're playing or it won't work. You have to be right there with it. 
And so there is something that concentrates you in the present and you can escape, like lose yourself a little bit in that. When you're first starting out, that's not necessarily the case because you're going to be annoyed that you can't play a thing yet and you're going to hit thumb notes and you're not going to make the right shape with your hand or, or whatever instrument you happen to be playing. I don't know, a trumpet, you're not going to make the right cheek noise. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but once you get beyond that kind of thing and you're playing something that's moderately challenging to the level you're at, there's great escapism in that. I like reading a lot. I like history in particular. It tends to be where I read most of the shit that I read these days. God knows why, whether I just like feeling smug and informed about stuff. And we're like, guys, look at this bit of facts. Uh, it might be some part of that because you know, some part of me has an, an ego that likes being knowledgeable about stuff. So I don't know whether I like it because it ties into that aspect that I've tried to develop in my personality or if I, I like it because I also like psychology things. And, and really for me, history is the play out of human experience across time. So if someone's psychological theory can't explain a bunch of shit that happened in history, the theory sucks balls and we can dismiss it, right? Because it has to explain stuff that's happened. <laughs> um, and it's, it's a really cool insight. I'm also quite drawn to extremes. So I'm less interested in the history of, you know, the agriculture of the wheat crop through Mesopotamia. Yeah, I could care. I could care less, right? I'm interested in, in battles and fucked up stuff and what happened with the Japanese in Nanking. Luke asked me for a, a book the other day on, uh, on some fucked up stuff. You never read The Rape of Nanking by Iris Chang. I mean, just the Wikipedia page alone will shock you. So this is the Second World War. So you could also check out if you want to know some... Most people are familiar with the Nazi atrocities, but much less familiar with the Japanese ones. But Unit 731 uh, is a, a Japanese experimentation unit specializing really in chemical weapons and a bunch of other stuff. But they carried out live vivisection, autopsy on living people, they chucked people out into Manchuria and like <clears throat> froze them or just froze an arm and then saw what happened if they like hit it with a bat. How long does it take to break or how long would it take if you thawed it out at different rates? When would it work? When would it not? Like they released plague into various villages in China, like pretty much every awful thing you can imagine. Basically, the art, like the key questions to ask in life, like if I freeze a limb, how, mm. how, how, how long does it take to break it? Messed up part of all that is that a lot of these guys got away after the end of the Second World War because whereas all the Nazi people, not all of them, but most of them got tried once they didn't piss off to like Argentina. Uh, but most, but the Japanese, when the Americans kind of go in, there's all this experimentation they'd done. And being quite Japanese, they documented most of it, right? They tried to destroy a bunch, but they documented a little bit. And the kind of rule for the Americans was right: if we don't press charges and bring you to trials. We need all that information so it doesn't get into the hands of the Soviet Union as we lead into what became the Cold War and the kind of things going on between that. So actually, the Soviet Union under, under Joseph Stalin, of all people, pressed some Japanese prisoners on crimes against humanity, things that the Americans didn't. So some of these guys who were part of these awful experiments went on and died of old age teaching at universities, even though they'd, you know, they'd cut living people open while they were pregnant and while they screamed to just let their baby live. And some of the worst things you're ever going to read. And they got to teach at Kyoto University until they were 84. And there's some fucked up stuff. So I like history stuff. Oh. It's not always the, the most casual read. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if I was, was going to read history, the stuff that would be that, like, it would capture my attention would be that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, mm. There's a guy called Dan Carlin who has a great podcast called Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. And he calls it, he's drawn to the extremes of the human experience. And I'm like, yep. And he does a great job of, pay, like, history can be really boring if it's just, you know, here's this date and then these people did this thing. 
But if you can tell me, much like Luke's attracted to the, the stories, history is really a set of stories if it's done well. And those are the bits that are interesting. What's it like to be in World War I in a trench? There's a, there's a battle called Passchendaele, um, Third Ypres, which is northern France, Belgium kind of area. And, you know, we've all got this sort of image of, of trench warfare. One of the reasons I dislike when people say they're in the trenches is you're in the gym in an air-conned office, right? You ain't in the trenches. The, tr the trenches, like, half your mates are dead. They're being, their corpses are laying around because you can't clear them because if you try and clear them, your head's going to be above the trench and you're dead. So that's probably not going to happen. And so, you know, there's, there's tales of there'll be <laughs> so, like some dude they call Dave whose arm's sticking halfway out of the trench that they always used to high-five on the way past. But that that person is someone you knew and you're next to their corpse and their corpse is now being eaten by rats at night while you're doing this and you're trying to sleep. There. Passchendaele was famous because it turned into mud and it rained loads. And so in the shells, when you went over the top, you're being shelled and you got shot and you got stuck in the barbed wire, but you weren't killed. You were just maybe maimed. So you weren't dead yet got stuck in these these trench holes. But the trench holes can be 20 foot high with almost like a cliff face to them. And when it's raining, that thing starts to fill up slowly with water. And there's these stories of people screaming from the trench and, you know, they're 20, 30 feet away from you in your trench and you can hear them screaming and you know who they are. And you can hear them screaming as this water fills up and slowly just drowns them. And through the night in the dark, they just go quiet. And like- It's got really dark. It got real dark. But if you want to tell me history, tell me those stories. Tell me what the fuck that's like. But because yeah. at least for me, that gives me a sense of perspective and gratitude. Anyone ever wants to tell me that life these days is terribly awful. I'm like, you haven't read anything. If you think that's the case. Yeah. Obviously, we have our struggles and that's not to demean anything. But you can't have a sense of perspective unless you know what life can also be like. And history tells you what life can also be like. So I quite like that. Anyway, that was a dark side of the hobbies conversation. I also like <laughs> masturbation. Let's bring it back. <laughs> Normal service is resumed. I think one of my favourite hobbies actually is listening to you, Paul. Listening. You could speak about anything and I would literally just be like staring at you and listening. 100%. You could read anything. You should have read the Harry Potter books. To be fair, uh, Stephen Fry does a wonderful job on this. Well, do you think you... No, he doesn't. He says Malfoy wrong. He says Malfoy in a weird way. Does he? He says like he calls it, he calls him like Malfoy or something like that. He goes a bit French. Malfoy. Right? <laughs> no. Mate, listen to it. I'm listening to it in a minute, and every time he says it, I'm like ruined. That sounds like what's the um? That... Is it like uh, like that? Yeah, he pronounce he's like Malfoy as opposed to Malfoy. Which, to be mm. fair, I think I think it works, mate. That was how I first was introduced. No. To name. So, Draco Malfoy. He, uh, <laughs> yeah. he did it before the film, so. Like, yeah, mate, these, the original cassettes here, mate. Fucking hell. Cassettes. Oh, oh, on cassettes. Speaking, speaking yeah. about history. Yeah. Speaking Luke's of hobby. Luke likes to listen to things on cassettes. That's exactly. what Luke is discovered. Like 1999, <laughs> Prisoner of Azkaban, but they were before that. Um, hang on, hang on. Are they, are they, are they older than Ryan? <laughs> Likely, genuinely, they must. They're going to be pretty close. Not <laughs> <laughs> tough. Philosopher's when was the first the Harry one? Potter book written? Philosopher's Stone. We got. Okay, he's got like Dumbledore looking like that. That is the weirdest looking Dumbledore I've ever seen in my entire life. That's like Dumbledore. That, that looked like some kind of weird character from Aladdin. Yeah, look at Harry Potter. <laughs> I mean, I think this was the original book cover. To be fair, that looks like Polar Express. Yeah, yes. um, wait, 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 it was 1997. 
97. So fun fact, right, what, what the year first was Harry Potter uh, book yeah, was released three days before I was born. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. There we You're go. 26th of June, 1997. You're basically Ooh. Potter. Yeah. So he was yeah. the OG. Uh, <laughs> is the way you pronounce it. Wow. Oh, it's, yes, um, still annoying though. <laughs> <laughs> we've, all, we've all learned some really important things today. Uh, yeah. This has been, so, yeah. Bring him, so bring it back. Let's wrap up on, <laughs> on an actual uh, question. Wrap up. <laughs> wrap up. Um, question of, yeah, new What was the question? It was, I think you got the question. Uh, yeah, hang on. It's going to take me a minute to go find it. Essentially, it was on the importance or utility of knee wraps, which I thought Luke was going to use a really nice transition. So wrapping up, let's talk about wrapping up. But he didn't. He fucked it. Well, so, no, I, I baited it. He can it. now answer his own, the question because he made such a terrible ploy of posing. Right. <laughs> no, so, I mean, so this one's an, an interesting one. I, I see it a lot. And I, I'm sure others as well, because it doesn't just extend to knee wraps. And, and this kind of comes under the same thing as knee sleeves, hmm. uh, elbow yeah. sleeves. The first thing I would say, and we, we, we chat a little bit before the call, is if you're someone who finds you can't do certain movements or you need those in place every time you do anything that involves your elbows or knees, investigate why that's the case because your joints shouldn't be that fucked up. Um, no. like you're going Just in, ignore it and put some knee sleeves on, you'll be fine. If you're going into knee flexion. <laughs> the thing, if you're going into knee flexion on a hack squat and getting a lot of pain, that sticking a, a knee wrap or a knee sleeve over it is putting a band-aid over a bullet hole you probably want to investigate why it's the case and you know it's it's not a great being and that that's not a good solution that's a temporary solution um and- admit, that temporary solution often encourages people because it yeah. does feel nicer for a bit so like, Sweet. Um, just yeah. keep going i put this on we're fine until if people are like yeah if people are oh i'll just do it just in case then again but like why question that like if you've got no issue like don't worry about it um but also, you want when you when people use those sorts of things, you are augmenting the challenge um, in a way that is similar to like sticking bands on. So you're basically putting a spring load around your joints. Um, if you can want to imagine that, like, and you, if anyone's put on a strong wrap or sleeve and then bent their knee, what does it want to do? Bing! Yeah. It recoils you straight back out of that. It's that same thing when powerlifters wear those like benching shirts and they can't actually get their arms behind them until mm. they. Get the weight of a bar that it can push them there and then it can like help spring them back it's the um it's that same thing so it, it's similar you know so people who was who are like you know knee sleeved up elbow sleeved up knee wrapped up however you want to talk about it and then just doing lat raises is weird <laughs> well but the thing but you know and then also reverse banding a leg press or about you know whatever you're doing there it's like you you've really overkill that uh, <laughs> but equally um, I think people might understand that, that that's what ultimately they're, they're potentially doing is they're, they're going to detrain like their body's ability to deal with certain forces. Um, you know, like, you know, in terms of your ability to actually tolerate inertia and stuff like that, which will probably be why you go, Oh, if I don't use, I've used knee wraps for six months. Now, if I stop using them, I'm really weak and it feels weird. And maybe it's harder to maintain positions at the bottom of certain movements like a leg press or stuff like that. And you compromise a lot through the spine because your body's like, well, I've had this external support kind of thing there that's helped me get out of this position before. So I haven't had to kind of develop the same tolerance for things like inertia and, and all this sort of stuff. So, I mean, that's, um, that's a way to look at it. That I think people don't consider. Um, You've got the fact that depending on 
how tightly you're wrapping the wraps on or how tight your sleeves are as well, you essentially will be adding to the patellofemoral compression throughout those exercises anyway. So if that was something that uh, was an issue before or there was any sort of inflammation around that joint, that could actually make the issue worse over time. So it might feel better in the short term, but long term by adding to that joint force exponentially, you're going to end up putting yourself in a worse position. Um, you could also look at the, the the tracking of the patella as well, going through deflection. Are you influencing that at all? And is that going to have any sort of negative impact past the point in which you're, you're, you're already at? Um, no, yeah, you've, got, you've got a couple of things there. And, and you can kind of say, I don't know if people have ever seen, like, you know, when you think like the radio ulnar joint, some people, sometimes they'll put wrist wraps on way too tight and you can actually like, impact those guys a bit and get quite uncomfortable within there um in terms of how those two that distal radio ulnar joint actually articulates and stuff like that um so it's um there, yeah, there's a lot of considerations with those sort of things i think people use them way too frivolously you know sticking them on a you know if you're doing a leg extension and you're needing knee wraps and it's a, if it's a pain thing i'd be like okay i'd probably check into that um but equally if it's not a pain thing it's just like what are you doing the reality, I think, for most people is they're doing them because when you first get into the gym, you want to have all the cool kit that you see the people use. And so you want to get the glove. Remember when gloves were the rage? They seem to have gone out now. But there was a period of time where training gloves were like, yeah, that's how I look like a train now. And then it was sleeves and, or, and they needed to be SBD ones, although all yours were shit, basically. And then, okay, oh, I need to so get some Olympic weightlifting shoes or I needed a belt or I needed it. Like sometimes we, we buy things because the people we look up to are like, that's what they have in their bag. I'm confident there are people who listen to us who buy bands to use on various bits of kit. We don't really know how to use the bands, but they've just seen us use bands and they're like, cool. I kind of get roughly what they're saying. I'm going to put these bands on. And we are a bit of a species of mimickers. And I think that probably goes a long way to, to some of it. And then we've got these other people who are compensating for some kind of um, pain or intolerance in a position that they discover, oh, when I put these on, I can, I can get there. You can, but it's, you know, effectively you've got sunburn and you've put a little bit of suntan lotion on and gone straight back in the sun. You're like, okay, it might alleviate it a little bit, but it might be better to just not go to that range if you've got an issue there or see what's going on mechanically that's, that's causing those bits rather than just slinging the yeah. sleeve on or the wrap on. Yeah, and, I th and um, yeah, for the people that are like looking for maximal muscle stimulation, there's certain opportunities where using sleeves will probably detract from what the muscle's having to do because it's just got that thing around the joint that it's like, well, I'll just spring back out of this. I don't actually need to work as hard um so yeah it's um it's a good point to raise it's a good question whoever asked that kudos um, and on that note we'll wrap it up i think what we did we do there like three stupid questions to two fairly reasonable ones that's that seems like an okay ratio for us to be yeah. we'll call it 50 50 all right <laughs> <laughs> um but no um <clears throat> thank you thank you guys and, and i mean nothing else we can add there wrap it up we're good like final points on um hobbies or or i mean is alex massive yet i'm not sure what's, what's going on yeah what's going on now are you enormous yet oh actually is this this is actually a wide lens boys i still feel it 
Mate, the problem is it's all gone to my nose. I mean, you can't see it. It's all I've, gained, I've gained five kilos of nose tissue. We can save that for another podcast. We can save another podcast. I'll run through the final. Yeah, that'll be interesting, actually. Not currently, he is actually 10 metres away from the camera. He's pretty large right now. He's <laughs> <laughs> got a fish eye lens on. <laughs> on that note so yeah thank you uh thank you for coming uh, you you three and thank you everyone for listening and um if you have any funny points and hobbies and all that sort of stuff then tag us and share remember key thing just as we wrap up ross's instagram sex goblin of moria nice. mm-hmm. we'll leave it there <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Muscle Mentors podcast. Just a quick shout out to our sponsors who support the channel and everything we do in the realms of education and coaching within the industry. Firstly, our original sponsor, Supplement Needs. They've been with us from the start. If you're seeking the highest quality supplements on the market, particularly organ support and health orientated products, you can use code Muscle Mentors at checkout for 10% off your order. Precision Prep, our recently introduced food preparation partner, delivering the finest quality meal prep across the UK, featuring their new pro prep range, a concept closely developed with us to solve an issue we see day to day with time limitations and nutritional compromise. If you're seeking the highest quality nutrition delivered to your door for the best price, look no further. Use code MUSCLEMENTALS at checkout for 15% off your first order and 10% thereafter. And lastly, RAR Optics, the highest grade blue light, blue light blocking glasses on the market with the slickest style. In a world filled with artificial light, particularly those with high screen time, I can certainly say I'm one of them. These can be a real game changer for sleep quality and recovery, something we use personally on a day-to-day basis. Grab yourself a pair by using code MUSCLEMENTALS at checkout for money off all orders. Once again, thank you for your continued support. Until next time.